All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome. Great to have you guys here today. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor, and it's a privilege to have everyone here in Florence. Can we welcome our Lawrenceburg Faith family? It's good to have you guys. To all of our VIPs here attending or in Lawrenceburg, if you're watching online, man, we're glad that you're here. And uh, man, our hope each and every week is that you'll open up your heart and allow God to meet you where you are. His grace is transforming if you'll give it an opportunity. How many people here, man, are thankful for the grace of the God we serve, man? Can we give him one big praise? Come on, everybody. Come on, Lawrenceburg. Let's love on him. Well, hey, listen, real quick, before we jump into the message, I just want to take a few minutes. And first of all, I want to celebrate all of those uh, people who make Faith Church really happen. It's, it's not me. It's not just a handful of people on the platform. There are literally hundreds of volunteers in Lawrenceburg that show up early in the morning to set up campus. Here in Florence, we have people serving literally everywhere. Every week, again, hundreds of volunteers from kids, production, guest services, VIP. We have people that come in during the week and help with um, extra, uh, extra office responsibilities, on and on. It takes lots of people to make it happen. And possibly you're here or you're in Lawrenceburg and you're one of those people. Man, we honor you. Can we just love on all of the people that are serving so diligently? You know, um, there is a special group. While we can't do what we do without all of those people who are volunteering, without all of you who do what you do, I want you to know that there is one particular team that really is above and beyond, and here's why. They carry a level of responsibility, unlike many other teams. They also carry a level of influence, unlike many of the teams we have, and that is those who work with our kids. And man, I'm just telling you, you may or may not know this, but on any given Sunday, we have around 500 kids on campus. And uh, man, they're back there loving those kids and teaching those kids, not just providing you an opportunity to come and sit uh, without distractions so you can be fed, but they're back there, not as a babysitting service, but they're back there pouring the love of Jesus into those kids. Can we honor all of those men who are back there? We're so grateful for all of you. So real quick, I want to let you know, um, we have obviously Miss, uh, Miss Naomi Smith, who is our Lawrenceburg Kids Director. She's killing it up in Lawrenceburg. Man, we celebrate her. However, several months ago, we had a transition of our Children's Director, and so we have been in the process of looking, and so just wanted to let people know. Some people have asked, uh, hey, who is the new director? And so we, this past week, officially hired Miss Tiffany Wells to be our Florence Campus Children's Director. Man, can we welcome Tiffany she has already been back there volunteering, but she is now in an official capacity. Um, also, on top of that, so we have a Lawrenceburg uh, campus director. We have a Florence campus director. We also have hired somebody who is over all of our children's ministry. She is the new director of children's ministry at Faith Church. Was not in the plan when they came here, but really just the way God brought things together. Faith Church, would you welcome Miss Netta Chilton as our official children's director? So... The reason we're doing all this truly is to celebrate so many people who serve, but uh, maybe, maybe, maybe you know this, you've been around a while, but uh, for the last eight years, we have been growing just leaps and bounds. Just found out the other day for the fourth year in a row, we have been nominated as one of the, or actually been uh, recognized as one of the 100 fastest growing churches in the entire nation. Uh, we just came out of God at the box office. We see a lot of guests during that time. Um, we, we, um, last year we ran about 2,400 people during God at the box office. This year we ran over 3,000. That's just to give you a picture of how fast we grow. Come on, man. Is anybody here thankful to be part of the church? It's growing. So uh, with that in mind, if we were not a growing church, we wouldn't really have a lot of the challenges we have, but because we grow so fast, 
um, you know, we just continue to need help. Typically, we do never ask for help from the platform. We think it's better to fish with a pole than a net. With a pole, we, grow, we fish through Grow You, where you get involved in Grow You, and we help you find out who you are and who we are, and we help you find your place here at Faith Church to get off the bench and in the game. If you're here and you've been attending for a while, we're glad that you're here, but we want you to know our heart is that this is not a consumer culture. This is not about consumers. This is about participators, that together we can do great things and make Faith Church a great church where we can influence our community. So here's what I'm asking today real quick is we need help. If we're going to continue to do what we do for kids, for hundreds of kids every week, we need some people to get off the bench and get in the game. Let me say this real quick. If you're here and you have kids, don't panic. Doesn't matter anybody who signs this card. All of our kids' workers are background checked federally, locally. They're all properly changed. So just because they mark a card doesn't mean they'll make it back there. However, however, if they do, we're definitely going to put them in a spot. So everybody do me a favor. Everybody reach down in the seat back in front of you. Grab this card. Even if you're not going to fill it out, just, just over here. Just kneel down. Just bend down. Act like you're going to grab it. Just humor me. Come on, everybody grab a card. Come on, grab a card. If the person next to you is not grabbing a card, give them a dirty look. Make them feel bad. Everybody grab a card. Okay, real quick, here's what it says. Are, are you all ready? I need, I need everybody to fill this out today. Just your name, your email, and phone. If you don't check any box, this will just help us to keep up. Email addresses change. Phone numbers change. We, we promise not to bog you down with stuff. But this might just be a good update card. So if everybody will write your name legibly, don't write in tongues, <laughs> unless you're going to show up and interpret tongues, legibly give us your name, your phone number, your email. Then, are you all with me? Come on, is everybody here? Okay, number one, I don't currently serve, but I will step up and serve with Faith Kids. If you are sitting on the bench and not in the game and you're ready to say, listen, I've been attending and, man, I'm thankful to be here. God's doing great things in my life. I want to be a part of what's being given, not just what's being received. And you are willing to serve on kids. And let me say this. This doesn't mean you're going to be on a platform teaching. There are lots of places in kids' ministry to serve. There are pe parent, people checking in parents. There are people in production back there, so you don't even have to really be hands-on with kids as far as teaching or holding babies in the nursery. But if you're willing to give time back there, I want you to check the box. I don't see anybody looking down. Just check, check a box. Listen, our goal is to get 50 people out of three services, FYI. Uh, number two is I currently serve with Faith Kids, but I'm willing to do more. We know, again, we have already hundreds of volunteers back there, and we're thankful for all of you. However, a lot of people who serve currently in kids typically serve once a month. And we are so grateful for you, and we're thankful for the sacrifice you make. But we're asking you maybe to give two weeks. There are three services every Sunday. You can, attend, you can serve one, attend one, so you don't even have to miss a service. But if you are currently serving and you're like, Pastor, we didn't even know there was a need. I'm willing to step up and maybe give another week a month, then check the second box. So if you're not serving and willing to serve with kids, check the first one. If you're currently serving with kids and you're willing to serve a little bit more, check the second box. And number three says, I'm not currently serving and prefer not to serve in faith kids. <laughs> so I'm not serving and I'm sure as heck not going to serve with kids. But I'm willing to serve on another team. Again, if you've been attending for a while and you're just tired of sitting on the bench, you want to get in the game, listen, this is how you do it. Um, and so check that box, and someone will be in touch with you and help you get in, get in that process. And at the end of the service, you can hand these cards out on the way out. How many people filled out one of these boxes? Come on, wave at me. Awesome. How many people didn't? And we're going we're gonna to look. We are going to call you. <laughs> we, we, you're going to check a box. Whether you do it today or later, mister, you're going to check a box. <laughs> All right, how's everybody doing today? All right, let's, let's get on to the message. That's a six-minute commercial. Hey, listen, some of you guys, you know this. We've been talking about this for several weeks. We have been in the transition of moving. 
And uh, it's, man, I hate it. Good Lord. Hate moving. Awful. And so um, several years ago when we moved here, our first home, it was a brand new house. We were so thankful for it and uh, moved into this house, got everything moved in, great subdivision, great neighbors. And what we didn't know until we were in the house, we had bought the house, it was our house, is that there was no internet available. Y'all have no sympathy whatsoever. <laughs> we had no internet at our home for a year which, you know, we had just moved here at that time. Our daughters were teenagers. We had a son who was about eight at that time. And, you know, while it was tough on them to leave friends and family, while it was tough to leave their schools, while it was tough to leave everything they had known and move from Ohio to Alabama, really, it's when they found out they had no internet, I was afraid to go to sleep at night. I'm going to be honest. I slept with one eye open. Like, there were nights, like, just riots broke out. My wife and I would just go in the bedroom and bar the door and just... It was horrible. And so we made sure moving this time, one of the first phone calls we made is, do you have internet service? And they did. And so we got moved. And last week I signed up and I found out after signing up that we would not have access. Someone wouldn't be able to be there for 17 days. That's just like a year. <laughs> and so maybe some of you happen to notice that I put on Facebook and I just said, hey, if anybody works at Comcast, help a brother out. If you've seen that post, maybe you thought, sounds like he's trying to cut in line. You read that absolutely clear. No doubt about it. I was, how, can a, how can I move up in the queue? How can I get ahead? Who do I need to step on? <laughs> no, <laughs> seriously, but no. Uh, some of you know I'm in grad school, and so I'm a, I'm a grad student, and so I have to have access to Internet. And I actually go back to school in two weeks, and so if I don't have Internet before I get there, it's, it's going to be a long semester. And so I just said, hey, if someone can help me out, great. Because we all know this, right? It's not what you know, it's who you know. If you are connected with the right people, it just helps in life. It helps everywhere. One of the wonderful things about being part of such a, a large church is, I know so many people here in Lawrenceburg that you, have, you are gifted in certain things or you own businesses, and it's not just benefited me, but I've been able to connect people. People ask me, Pastor, do you know somebody? And I've been able to connect people to, uh, to auto repair places and plumbers and electricians and financial planners and counselors because I'm aware, because it doesn't matter how many people attend here. I have to know, not just if you can do something, I need to know you to know what you do so other people can access what you can do, Right? When I first got here, one of the first people that came up and said hi to me, introduced himself almost eight years ago was Al Moody. And Al walked right down here, handed me his business card. He said, I do some small engine repair. If you ever need help with something, Pastor, like, please call me. I'd love to help you. He regretted to this day giving me that card because I'm not burning that number up a couple times. And, but again, it's, if, you don't, if you don't know what somebody can do, if you don't know them, you can't access their abilities. If you don't know someone, you can't access their abilities. The same thing is true with Jesus. Do you know if you don't really know who he is, if you don't know what Jesus can do, if you don't know what Jesus is like, then you can't access who he is. You can't benefit from the blessings of what he wants to do in your life. And so Jesus has, has really made, uh, has gone out of his way to let us know who he is. In fact, part of our spiritual journey is is becoming more and more familiar with God, getting to know him more in a relationship, growing closer to Christ. That, the more you know who he is and what he's like, the more you can access what he has. And so when you follow the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
What you find is, is that Jesus spent part of his ministry showing us who he is. That as you read, Jesus very demonstrably uh, declared who he was, what he could do, and what he was like. I mean, I love it. Jesus didn't just talk a big game. Come on. How are you going to know that our Savior walks a big game? And so, for example, there were so many times you read in Scripture where people were oppressed. People were overwhelmed by darkness. And Jesus came in and took authority over demonic spirits in people's lives and was able to set them free. Jesus clearly showed he has authority over everything that's over you is under him. Anybody here grateful for that? Uh, Jesus stood at times on the bow of boats and commanded storms to be still. And the winds and the waves would cease. Jesus clearly demonstrating he didn't just have authority over the spiritual realm, but Jesus had authority over nature. People came to Jesus who were sick with all kinds of diseases and all kinds of infirmities and all kinds of physical problems. And over and over and over again, we read as Jesus showed us who he was, that he was a healer, that everyone who came to him went away whole. And the purpose of, of part of the ministry of Jesus was, again, showing us who he was so we could access his abilities. Listen, it's not just who he was 2,000 years ago. Jesus still has authority. Jesus can still calm storms. And Jesus can still heal diseases. And he let us know that so we could run to him when we have struggles. However, Jesus didn't just spend part of his ministry showing us who he was. Jesus spent part of his ministry telling us who he was. So I loved it that he showed us, but part of his teaching wasn't just what God was like or wasn't just what the kingdom was like, but oftentimes Jesus was spending time announcing and declaring who he was, not as a show-off and not as a, not as a pride point, though he's God and he deserves praise, but for you, so you would know who he is. So Lawrenceburg, so you would know who he is. Why? Because if you don't know someone, you can't access their abilities. And so, for example, in the Gospel of John, there are seven, and some of you know this who have maybe been in church for a while, there are seven statements that Jesus makes. They're called the I am statements because each time Jesus says, I am. There you go. That's, that's why it's called the I am statements because, anyways. So he makes these statements, I am, and they're really powerful and profound statements. It may not seem like it on the surface, but when you understand what Jesus is saying, it will change your life forever. The first time Jesus makes an I am statement, he says this in John 8, 58. He says this. He's talking to these religious teachers. And these religious teachers hated Jesus. They didn't want anything to do with Jesus. They were doing everything they could to stiff arm Jesus away. Jesus, we don't need you to be our Savior. We don't need you to be our Messiah. We don't need you. And the reason they didn't think they needed him is because they were pointing to their rich spiritual heritage. And they were saying, we're of the family line of Abraham, which, if you don't know, was kind of the, was the pinnacle of the Jewish faith. Like, hey, we can trace our family line back to Abraham. Abraham is our father, so we don't need you. And listen, you can never one-up Jesus. When they, try to, when they try to trump Jesus and say, Jesus, we don't need you because we're related to Abraham, Jesus pushes all the chips into the table, and he says this. Uh, he says this. He says... Um, Fast forward a slide. He says right here, John 8, 58, he says, before Abraham was even born, I am. Everybody say, I am. Amen. He says, before Abraham, he said, I'm not just here now. He says, before Abraham was even born, you can go all the way back to Abraham. He says, I can go back to, let's see, hmm, forever. When Jesus makes the claim of I am, what he is saying is he's claiming the same name of God. 
that God made himself known all the way back to Moses. If you're familiar with the story, Moses and the burning bush in Exodus 3.14, when Moses asks God, when he meets God, hey, God, who do I tell people I met? He says this. He says, tell him his name, and his name is I am. What God is saying is he is the ever-existent one. There was never a time God did not exist. He's always been and always will be. He is the ever-present creator. Come on. And when Jesus said, I am, he's saying, I'm the same I am that was with Abraham. I'm the same I am that was with Moses. And he says, I am today. What Jesus was saying is, you might be connected to Abraham, but I'm the one who made Abraham. I am. So watch, watch. So Jesus, people say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. He just did. He just said, I, I am. I'm, I claim the name of God. And so he takes this profound title of this is who his character is. This is, Jesus is saying, this is who I am. I am. And then in six other statements, I am statements of Jesus telling us who he is, he makes these metaphors, these connections so we know who he is really. And he makes statements like this. He says, he says, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the light of the world. We're going to look at some of these through this series, but here's his point. He's making this statement. I am. He's saying, this is, this is who he is forever. He's forever this way. And then he says things like bread of life, living water. He says, and what he's saying is this is who he is for everyone. He's saying, this is who I am forever, and this is who I am for everyone. Jesus has always been the bread of life. Even before he announced it, he's still your bread of life. He's still my living water. Come on, everybody. He is still, and he's that way for everybody, not just church people and not just Baptist people and not just Republican people, not just American people, not just 21st century people. He is always the bread of life. He is always the resurrection. He is, that's who he is. So, so, so. Today, for a few minutes, I want to look at one of the statements that he makes. It's, to me, one of the, they're all so cool. Again, but I don't want you to lose track. The goal of this entire series is for you to know him more. Because if you don't know who someone is, you cannot access their abilities. Jesus is introducing who he is. And, and today, we're going to look at his statement where Jesus says, I am the door. I know it's not very impressive because someone walks up and introduces himself. Like he says one time, I'm the resurrection of life. It's like, yeah. That's got some meat on the bone, the resurrection and the life. But I'm the door. Like, what if you met me for the first time? I said, hi, I'm a ceiling fan. <laughs> I mean, it's like, wait, what? So Jesus, we're going to read this. Jesus lets us know here in this translation we're reading, Jesus uses the word gate. Gate equals door. Door equals gate. It's the same thing. Let's read this together. John chapter 10. If you have, uh, if you have your Bible, you can read along. If you don't, you're a sinner. John chapter 10. If you say you forgot it, Ronnie already called you out, you're a liar. <laughs> John chapter 10, verse 1 through 10. We're going to read this, this whole thing. Are you all with me? Lawrenceburg, you there? All right. It says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through, come on, y'all say it, the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. And they, follow, they won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Now, how many people knew what Jesus just said? How many people were tracking? It's okay, because people right then were like, <laughs> doe-eyed at Jesus, like, do you understand what he said? I don't either. So Jesus... 
knows we weren't tracking, so I love it. He says, those who heard Jesus use this illustration still didn't understand what he meant. So Jesus gets really simple. So everyday people, A, B, C, one, two, three, can understand what he's teaching. Notice what he says. I tell you the truth. Everybody shout it. I am, say it again, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, come on, say it again. I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved, and those, uh, they will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So in everything that Jesus is saying, in, in all the, these 10 verses and all of the theology and doctrine and teaching that Jesus is, is saying, it all comes down to this really simple statement that Jesus is claiming to be, come on, say it, the gate. He's saying, I'm the door. Now, here's, we all know this about doors. Watch this. Doors allow entrance to some places and exclude entrance to some people. Isn't that what doors do? You have doors on places so I can get to that place. It allows entrance to some places. And then you close it because you don't want everybody in. It excludes entrance to some people. And so Jesus is saying, hey, I'm, I'm the gate. Now, let's, let's ask the question. He is saying, I'm the gate to what entrance? To where? Where is Jesus claiming to be the door to? Read it. John chapter 10, verse 9. He says, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be. Jesus is saying, I'm the gate to salvation. I'm the gate to salvation. I, and I'm just going to tell you something. Listen, we hear that word. And some of you have been in church long enough. Lawrenceburg, you've been in church long enough. Maybe you've heard this word saved or salvation. And we think so one-dimensionally that we miss really what Jesus is saying. We think salvation is, is about a location, that if you're saved, you get to go to heaven one day. I'm saved, so one day I'm going to heaven. Salvation is not just it's saved, salvation. Another synonymous term that Jesus uses for this word saved or salvation is eternal life. See, it's bigger than, it's bigger than a location. Some of us, we think that salvation or eternal life is just about a length of days, well, I'm going to live forever. Well, news for you, newsflash. Everybody's going to live forever somewhere. Salvation, eternal life is not just about location, going to heaven. It's not just about length of days, living forever. It's about life. See, it's not about a quantity of days. It's about a quality of life. What Jesus is saying is, if you'll come through me, you will find really what life is about. You will find the meaning and the purpose and the fulfillment of life that you will never find. Not just one day when you, buy, one day when you die, but if you'll walk through my door today, your life will change forever. I'm the door to salvation. Jesus is saying, I'm the proper passageway to paradise. I'm the proper passageway to paradise. See, we live in a society and culture. Think about the terminology we use. We talk about going to job interviews or things like, you know, we're knocking on doors. See, we live in a society where we're turning door handles all the time thinking, if I can just get through this door, life will be better. If I can just get in that relationship, if I can just get that job, if I can just get that raise. And we're turning doors. And here's what we have found. Some of you, you could already, this would be part of your story is you open the door. Like you got the raise, you got the job, you got the degree, you got in the bedroom with that person. You got connected to those people. Like you, did, you got the touchdown. You got the award. And here's what we found out is you go through any other door but Jesus, and it is a dead end, and it is empty, and it will not satisfy. But Jesus said, I am the door to quality life that will change you forever. I'm it. I'm the true passageway. I'm the proper passageway 
to paradise. Come on, is anybody here thankful that Jesus is the way? So I just want to tell you, whatever, whatever doorknob you're trying to turn to get into the other side, thinking if I can just get in there, everything's going to be okay. Jesus is saying when you get to the other side, you'll be empty and disappointed. But if you'll come through me, if you'll come through the door, if you'll come through the gate, I'm the way. I'm the way to life. I'm the way to salvation. Powerful. And think about it, really, I mean, that's a true statement. We know this is true, that, that the door is the prop, only proper way into anything. Right? How did you get in here? The door. When you go home, how are you going to get into your house? The door. If you go to a restaurant, how are you going to get into the restaurant? A door. Like, it's, Jesus is so elementary. He's like, like, I'm the door. Like, that's the only right way to get in. Several years ago, a friend of mine, we had met this couple at our previous church, and, you know, super nice guy, and so he invited me to go hang out, and so we had a dude date one night, and uh, some of you can't admit to dude dates, but I had a dude date, and so... We met, we were going to drive into Pittsburgh together, and so we met at this place, and I dropped my car off, and he was in a truck, and so he's like, come on, pastor, ride with me, and so I get out of my car, and I go to grab the handle of his truck, and before I grab it, he's like, pastor, I'm really sorry, my door's busted, you're going to have to climb through the window, <laughs> and I was like, half a second, I'm like, how bad do I want to go, you know, and so I didn't want to punk out, so I'm like, okay, and so... <laughs> So this is the truck pretty high off the ground. So I got to climb up in this truck and contortion myself through the window. And like I finally get, like I barely fit, like I Vaseline myself up so I can slide through. I get in, I'm sweaty and hot. My clothes are all wrinkled, like kind of frustrated already. We're like the trip. And he reaches over my lap and pulls the door open. He's like, I was just kidding, door works. Man, I, was, I can't even believe we stayed friends too. It's, But think about what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying there's only one proper way in. The door is the proper way in. If you're standing at your sink washing a dish or rinsing out a cup and you see next door someone climbing in a window at your neighbor's house, you don't assume everything's okay. If they're climbing in a window, what's going on? They're probably somebody who's trying to rob and steal, which is exactly what Jesus said. Watch this. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be what? A thief and a robber. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I already told you, I'm the only door you go through for salvation. And if people are trying to get salvation another way than me, they're trying to steal what is only a gift. See, Jesus said, I've come to give you life, something we can't earn. You can't earn eternal life. You can't earn salvation by being a good person. Newsflash. Some of you believe this, that there's these big scales in heaven, and you can just heap enough good deeds on the good side that outweigh your bad deeds you're in. There are no scales in heaven. There's in or out. And the only way in is through where? Jesus. He's the door. And if you're trying to get in by being a good person, giving enough money, serving enough people, doing enough good stuff, he says you're trying to steal a gift that you can never steal. The only way you can have the gift is to go through the door and humble yourself and ask for the gift. So Jesus is saying, I'm the door, I'm the only door, I'm the proper passageway to paradise. And we live in a society, I know this doesn't go off well, because I don't know if you picked it up, but Jesus is claiming exclusivity. He is not saying he's a door, he's saying I am the door, I'm it. Now we live in a society in a world that would tell you, no, no, there's all, all paths lead to God. 
All roads lead to heaven. In one of the other I am statements that Jesus made, he makes the same exclusive claim. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now, again, in a, in a pluralistic, multicultural society as ours, in this melting pot, it rubs us the wrong way to hear, wait a minute, you're telling me all roads don't lead to heaven? Can't, don't, don't all religions end up there? Come on, y'all are smart people. <laughs> I mean, just, just think about it. If you, gotta, if, you go to a, if you have to go to the restroom, like you got to go, and you go into a restaurant, come on, fellas, and you walk up to somebody that looks like they work there, they got a name tag on, and they say, uh, and you say, hey, can you point me to where the restroom is? And they look at you and say, oh, you can go to the bathroom through any door. Come on, you're going to jail. That's what's going to happen to you. <laughs> no, you, that don't even make sense. There's only one bathroom door here. If you're driving to 30A, that's a bad illustration. Y'all know how to get to 30A. If you're driving to Cleveland Brown Stadium this year because you're getting on my bandwagon <laughs> and you get lost, come on, listen, listen. If you get lost along the road, and you see some kindly old gentleman that looks like he's lived in the neighborhood for a while and possibly knows his way around, and you pull over and ask him, excuse me, sir, can you tell me how to get to Cleveland Brown Stadium? Come on, if he looked at you and said, oh, you can take any road. All roads lead there. You would say, next. <laughs> Come on, that don't even make sense. Jesus is saying, I'm the only way. And you know what gives him the right to say that he's the only way to heaven, that he's the only way to eternal life? It's because he's the only one that was with the Father. Muhammad wasn't with the Father. Buddha wasn't with the Father. No major world religion leader was with the Father. But Jesus, he was with the Father. He came from the Father. And he's the only one to purchase our salvation that was needed for us to connect with the Father. Jesus is the only way because he's the only one who came to rescue us. Come on. He says, I'm the door. If you want what I have, you have to come through me. You you can't steal your way in. You can't buy your way in. You have to come through me. He says, and I am the only way. And while that's, a, that's an exclusive claim, us disagreeing with it, us not liking it, does not negate that it's a true claim that Jesus isn't a door. He is the door to salvation. And while he's not just the proper passageway to paradise, Jesus is the proper way to walk in this world. This is what he's saying. Notice doors, doors go two ways, don't they? Doors are not just a way to get into a place, but it's a way to get out of a place. I mean, come on, think, think about this. If you're pulling up on somebody's house and a bunch of people start jumping out the windows, that means a parent came home and some people weren't supposed to be there. How many people know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> some of you are like, I don't, what does that mean? <laughs> We're glad you grew up innocent. Some of us had to need the grace of Jesus. So Jesus is saying, watch this, he's saying doors swing both ways. For a lot of you who've been in church for a long time, I've not given you any new information. You're like, yeah, I knew Jesus was the only way, and I've given my life to Jesus, and I put my trust in him as my Savior, but have you, have you, I know you've gone into Jesus. I know he's your in, but did you know he's your out? Jesus taught holistic living. Again, it's, eternal life is not about a, it's not about a location. It's not about a length of time. It's about a quality of life. It doesn't begin when you die. It begins when you get saved. Notice what Jesus says. John chapter 10, verse 9, he says, Yes, I am the gate, and those who come in through me will be saved. Watch this. And they will come and go freely. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. Now, really important, I, I got to give you this. 
that the context of the audience that Jesus was speaking to 2,000 years ago, everybody knew all about shepherds. We don't know anything about shepherds. Like, you know, there's no shepherds in this house. Like, I dare say there's probably a guy in the back like, excuse me, sir, I'm a shepherd. <laughs> but like during the time of Jesus, everybody was a shepherd. Like, you know, you couldn't go anywhere. And there were like, you know, flyers on telephone poles, like how to be a shepherd. Like you stayed up late at night, you're watching an infomercial on how to be a shepherd. Like, it were shepherd unions. Everybody ate shepherd pie. Like it was shepherd. Like that's what happened. And so Jesus is using a shepherd scenario and everybody knew what he meant. Since we're not shepherds, I got to take you to shepherd school for a second. There were two types of shepherd pens that were very familiar to the, to the culture and to the audience that Jesus was speaking to. And if you are not familiar with the, if you're not familiar with the shepherd pens or the sheep pens, then you'll miss his point. So it's time for sheep pen school. You ready? Two types. There were suburban sheep pens and urban sheep pens. <laughs> the suburban sheep pens were the ones way out in the nice, nice area of town, and like you had your own sheep pen. And your sheep went in your sheep pen, and that was yours, and it was just for your sheep. But then there was the urban sheep pen, and they were the ones that were found in the entrance into large towns. And so as a shepherd, as you would shepherd your sheep, and your sheep would follow, when you would go into town, you would put your sheep in the community sheep pen, which means in the sheep pen, there were like five of your sheep, but there's like 30 sheep, which means there was like, you know, sheep from like three or four or five or six different shepherds. So the sheep were all mixed up. Are you all tracking with me? And so the way you got your sheep out, when you, were, when you were ready to leave, when you were ready to leave to go back home to the suburbs, the shepherd would just stand in front of the gate and call the name of his sheep, and the sheep would recognize his shepherd. Like, he didn't go collect it. He would just, and his sheep, his five sheep would come out of the, the group of 30 or 40 sheep, and he would lead them out. He wouldn't have to go get them. They came to him. Watch this. John 10, 3. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name. Read this with me. And leads them. Oh, y'all give me that last word. Leads them. Again, Jesus is not just the door in. He's the door out. Let me put it in a practical context. Maybe some of you understand because we don't know anything about sheep pens. So think about swimming pools, right? In swimming pools, there are, there are personal swimming pools. Some of you, like you have a swimming pool in your backyard and it's your pool and your people swim in your pool. Well, I, when I came up, I didn't have any friends that had pools. I grew up in Akron, a little bit of an urban area, and we had a community pool, Reservoir Park. Reservoir Park, if you would go swimming in the summer reservoir, well, first of all, there's a good chance you would get stabbed, but <laughs> if, you, if you made it to the pool, I mean, there's so many people in the pool, like you didn't really swim, you just kind of stood in your... You know, I mean, it's just crowded. But here's the thing. There was always not just lots of people in the pool because it was a community pool. Watch, this is so, this happened every day. There was always some parents at the pool with their kids. And every now and then, mama would come up to the edge of the pool. Junior, Junior, get out of the pool. We got to go. And there's 100 kids in the pool, but only one kid would turn away and would get out of the pool. Do you know why? Because he recognized the voice of his mother. Like all 100 kids didn't get out. Unless mama had to go in the pool to get him, then that was a show. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? Like that kid would recognize his voice. And this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying the only way you can have eternal life, if you're looking, some of you here, man, you have turned all the knobs that this planet has to offer. And you are empty and you are broken. And Jesus like, you've not tried all the doors because I'm a door. And I lead to eternal life. And I'm the only door that leads there. But once you come in through me, the goal is not just to hide behind the door the rest of your life. Because you don't just come in, you got to go out. And here's what he's saying. There's lots of voices every day when you wake up that want to lead your day. There's boss voices and friend voices and cultural voices and TV voices and music voices. And there's all these voices. And you have to decide, you have to make the decision of what voice you will follow. And Jesus says, I'm not just the way in, I'm the way out. And Jesus says, if you're my sheep, you will, you will hear my voice. For all of you that are like, Pastor, like, I've heard you say you, like, God, you feel like God speaks to you. You've heard other Christians say, like, I feel like God leads me. Yeah, do you know why? Because I'm his sheep and he's my shepherd and he made a promise that I will hear his voice. But you got to make a point to listen. He says, you will hear my voice. He says, watch this. He said, I will lead you out. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the door. Come on, say it. Jesus is the door. Not just in, but out. So are you following him out? What's leading your life? Is it your personal ambition or mission statement? Or is it as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it to make money or to make a difference? Is it so your name is known or so his name is known? In probably a section of scripture that is probably as well known, if not more well known than any other section of scripture, David, who was a shepherd himself, wrote in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Green pastures aren't behind the door. Green pastures are out here, but you got to be led into them. And he leads me. Come on, I say he leads me. Beside the still waters, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Come on, I can be honest and say that I have gotten myself in fixes and in trouble. And do you know why? Every time I'm in a bad place, it's because I listen to the wrong voice. I've listened to the, my flesh and my desires and this world tell me, go get it, click it, turn it on, say it. And I get myself in trouble. But when I listen to the voice of my shepherd, he leads me in paths of righteousness, not for me, but for his name's sake. He's a door in and he's a door out. He's the way to have salvation when you go in and he's a way to have life every day when you follow his voice out. Are you listening? Are you following the door in? And are you following the door out? Jesus made a simple claim. I'm the door. And he's not just the door forever. He's the door for everyone. He's always been the door and he will always be the door. There will never be a time that Jesus is not the door. And not just for some people, not just for church people, white people, Republican people, black people, North American people, 21st century people. Jesus has always been and will always be the door for all people, for all time, of all tongues, tribes, and nations, forever. That means he's your door, and he's my door, if we're willing to go through. So with every head up and every eye looking right at me, listen, Lawrenceburg, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you've never gone into the door... If you've never recognized, I need, I need salvation, I need forgiveness. Jesus is the Savior because he's the one with the Father. 
He's the one who came from the Father. And he's the one who purchased the salvation we need with the Father. And so if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, man, we need it. And Jesus made it possible. And it's not something you steal. It's not something you earn. It's a gift you receive. And so if you're here and you say, Pastor Steve, I've never, I've never asked Jesus for the gift of forgiveness and salvation. If that's you today, I want you to lift a hand real high and say, Pastor Steve, that's me. Today, I want to give my life to Christ. Come on, no shame in your game. I'm lifting my hand with you, man. 25, almost 30 years ago, I gave my life to Christ. Best decision I ever made to go into that door. Come on, is there anybody here? Say, Pastor Steve, pray for me, man. Today, I want to give my life to Christ. It's a couple hands. So the assumption is everybody here is like, I've already gone in. Here's the question. Are you going out? Are you allowing him to, fo- to lead you every day? Are you waking up saying, Lord, it's a new day. Where do you want to lead me? How many people here say, Pastor Steve, I need to do a better job being led. I went in, but now I need to be better leading out. So, Father, I pray for all of us in this room today that you would give us the patience to listen. You would give us the faith to believe. And you would give us the ears to hear what our shepherd's saying. Lord, in all of the doors to go in, you're the only one that leads to salvation. And all the voices to follow going out, you're the only one that leads us in paths of righteousness. You're the only voice that leads us beside still waters. And so, Lord, help us to listen and follow. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees, said amen. Amen. Come on, let's honor the Lord today.